Hello, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded for our online service. We're not meeting at our church buildings at the moment, so tune in live this Sunday for our next online service by going to weareone.church or finding us on Facebook. Before we get into this next moment of our service, let me just pray for us. Because like we've been singing, like our Father God this morning is stood with his arms wide open with an open invitation for every single one of us this morning. So I want us to not just think, oh, we know what happens in this next bit. Somebody speaks for 15 minutes. Like, let's lean in this morning to the Father to meet with us. So come on, why don't you just take a moment just to invite God to speak to you this morning. Thank you, God. Father God, we thank you that you are stood with arms wide open this morning. God, thank you that you embrace us despite our weaknesses. You embrace us despite our past. You embrace us despite how we're feeling. God, you embrace us no matter what. And I pray, God, this morning that you would speak to every single one of us. God, I pray that you would take the words I'm going to speak and translate them into every heart, every home, every need, every individual situation. God, because you know and you love us and you care and you are able. So we invite you to speak to us. May we be changed this morning because of how you've spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seats. Um, It's so, so good to be with you um, this morning. We are in the final part of our Unstoppable series. And in this series, we have been looking at how we can play our part in the boundless, boundless, (laughs) that's boundless and borderless mixed together. borderless, boundless, uncontainable kingdom of God. And over the past few weeks, we have looked at how the church is unstoppable, how love is unstoppable, how faith and God's gifts are unstoppable. And today we're going to look at how worship is unstoppable. Um, At the beginning of the year, I don't know whether I've mentioned once or twice before I went to Israel um, on something called the Jesus Trek. And it was a week um, of maybe like made up of four days trekking, walking through areas where Jesus himself had walked. And it was amazing. And um, so before going, in my mind, it was going to be this like beautifully serene, reflective journey where we'd maybe walk for a little bit, stop and just think about how poignant the ground was upon which we walked maybe like intersperse the day with many a tea break and just lovely conversation with one another um that picture was very much shattered where like cut to day four of the trek and I am trudging through a flooded valley moving past shrubbery slipping in streams and the worst part my dad before um I left he he gave me his walking poles like you know the hiking sticks that you have and I was like dad There is no way that I'm going to be seen using those. No way. Uh, And I had given in. In this moment, the terrain was so tough and it was so bad that there I was, anorak on, backpack on. Any remnants of youth were just ebbing away as I was trudging through hiking with these walking poles. And I will admit that on that day of the trek, 
like it got to me a little bit like we had been walking for hours and hours and hours through this really really difficult terrain like i had no idea how long we would be walking for no idea when we would be able to stop and rest this valley wasn't even in the bible so i don't know why we were there in the first place still a little bit bitter about it and um i hadn't had a cup of tea in a really long time and it was getting to me um and i felt like on that day I just felt like we were wandering aimlessly. Like it felt like we were wandering without any end in sight. And I want to use that as a bit of a metaphor for us today for sometimes how we can feel in life. Like, can you think of those moments where things just feel a bit tougher than we expected? Or those times where things are just taking longer than we expected them to take. Maybe that answer to prayer isn't coming as quickly as we thought it would come, or the season that we're in is taking longer than we thought it would take. Like, have you ever felt like you're just wandering a bit aimlessly? Like, maybe it's that feeling of like in your face maybe one time where you had complete clarity and you were bold and brave in your faith maybe now you've just lost a bit of that and it feels like you've lost a bit of that um, fire that was in you once or maybe that joy or that enthusiasm has waned a little bit feeling like you're wandering in your face or like wandering in terms of a lack of purpose or direction or knowing what is coming ahead and as I was preparing for today I just really felt that there would be people listening this morning and that pretty much sums up how you feel right now like you are wandering and you can't see where the end is in sight you don't really know where your next step is going to be and it just feels tougher and harder and longer than you expected it to take and um whether that's where you find yourself right now and you think that's exactly how I'm feeling right here in this moment or for the next time that you feel like you are wandering a little bit feel like I've just got an encouragement for you this morning uh, and that is something really simple a really simple thought that I want us to remember and that is that worship brings direction to the wanderer worship brings direction to the wanderer. Um, in the book of Psalms in the Bible, there's a block of 15 Psalms from Numbers 120 to 134 that are called the Songs of Ascent. And um, these 15 songs were likely sung as people traveled up to Jerusalem three times a year for different festivals. So we know that Jesus himself did this when he was young. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So three times a year, people from all over Israel would gather together and make their way to Jerusalem. And because the city is on a high hill, people would likely sing these songs as they were on the ascent, like the literal 
ascent as they were making their way up the uphill road to Jerusalem. And as they were walking, these songs talked about God's presence in tough times. These songs talked about God's help and his blessing. These songs talked about God's faithfulness and his purposes. So as they were walking up this road, people would be remembering how God had been faithful in the past and how he would be faithful in the future. People started to remember what God has done. As they sang psalms like Psalm 121, they'd be reminded of God's providence, how God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. As they sang psalms like 124, they'd be reminded that God is their help as they started to declare lines like God's strong name is our help. The same God who made heaven and earth. These songs told them where they had been as a people, as a generation, as a nation, where they had been and where they were going, how God had been faithful in the past and how he was going to be faithful in the future. These songs were used to remind people that they were a redeemed people. They were a blessed people. They were a covenanted people. They were a chosen people. These were songs literally for the journey (laughs) that were used to remind people who they were and where they were going. And that is exactly what worship does for us. Worship reminds us who we are and where we're going. Worship reminds us how God has been faithful in the past and how he will be faithful in the future. Just like the songs of ascent were used to aid people on their journey to Jerusalem, so worship aids us in our journey of faith, this journey called life. It brings clarity. It brings focus. It reminds us of purpose. It reminds us of who we are. It brings clarity and strength. And it becomes almost like a framework for our lives. So um, I'm reading a book at the moment by Eugene Peterson, who's a, who was a pastor in America. And he tells a story of a time he went to visit a lady in his church who was going through a bit of a tough time. And so he went to um, make a pastoral visit and she was really struggling with some circumstances in her life and really struggling with her thoughts, like feeling overwhelmed. So he describes, he goes to the house and he finds her sat on her windowsill with a piece of embroidery in her hands. And if you imagine a piece of cloth that's just held taut by an oval loop and she sat embroidering. And so he comes into the house and she says, Pastor, while I was waiting for you to come, I've realised what's wrong with me. And like, if only every pastoral visit was that simple, that would just be beautiful. Um, But so she went on to explain, I've realised what's wrong with me. And this is what he writes. She said, I don't have a frame. My feelings, my thoughts, my activities, everything is loose and sloppy. There's no border to my life. I never know where I am. I need a frame for my life like this one that I'm using right now. And after telling this story, Eugene Peterson writes this. He says, how do we get that framework, that sense of solid structure so that we know where we stand? Christians 
go to worship and get a working definition for life, the way God created us, the way he leads us. We know where we stand. And in times of confusion, in times of uncertainty, when we don't know how long it's going to take, when we don't know where the road is headed, worship is a tool that brings clarity, that brings direction, that brings definition, that brings structure, that becomes like a foundation in our lives. And church, worship is not outdated. It's not irrelevant. It's not ineffective or inconsequential. Worship isn't just a tradition for a Sunday morning, but it is a tool for the journey that reminds us who we are and where we're going. It brings direction to the wanderer. It reminds us how God has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful in the future. And you just have to look at examples in the Bible to know just how powerful and effective this tool is. There are so many examples of how battles were won through singing, how walls were torn down with a shout, how chains were broken with a hymn and how perspectives were changed with a psalm. And worship changes circumstances. It changes our perspective. It reminds us who we are Worship is unstoppable, regardless of how unclear, uncertain, unsure the journey may be. Worship is unstoppable. And the reason is because when we feel like we're wandering, when we feel aimless, when we feel like we don't really know where we're headed, worship points the way by fixing our eyes on the one who is the way. And worship draws our attention to the one who is the way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And when we worship, we fix our attention on the way when we don't know where we're going. And the truth when everybody is saying something, everybody is saying something else. Worship fixes our focus on the one who is the truth, no matter how uncertain things may seem. Worship fixes our eyes on life. When we feel like it's a bit difficult to go on, worship fixes our eyes on the one who is the way. And so let me encourage you, church, that the next time you feel like you're wandering a little bit, worship. Like the next time you feel like you're lacking motivation, worship. The next time you feel disappointed or let down, worship. The next time Boris makes an announcement, worship. The next time somebody says something confusing, worship. Like we need this now more than ever. We need this sense of clarity, this sense of direction, this sense of framework and grounding that comes when we fix our eyes on the way because as we worship our focus shifts to the one who heals the sick and raises the dead worship shifts our focus to the one who conquered sin and defeated death the one who binds the brokenhearted and sets the captives free the one who knows you and sees you and loves you and calls you and blesses you and provides for you and guides you and leads you worship fixes our focus on the one who is the way. And as we worship, we 
aren't just reminding ourselves, but I feel like we're, we're reminding ourselves where we've been and where we're going. But we also remind our circumstances who we are and where we're going. So when we worship, we're telling fear who we are. Oh my gosh, right. It's really hard to speak and cry at the same time. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I'm so, so passionate about this because I know it for like, <laughs> my own experience that this works. That when we worship, we tell worry who we are and where we're going. We tell anxiety who we are and where we're going. We tell confusion and a lack of purpose and a lack of motivation, who we are and where we're going. When we worship, we remind our circumstances, who we are and where we're going. It's so, so powerful as we lift up and honour and prioritise the one who is the way, the truth and the life. Our worship becomes unstoppable. And um. It doesn't just impact us, it impacts those around us. So I love the picture, like the very first Christian community in the New Testament shows us just how powerful worship is. It says in Acts 2, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Worship is contagious. This hope in us is, is contagious. And like church right now, our community and our friends and our neighbours need us to be worshippers. They need to know where our hope comes from. They need to know where our peace is fixed right now. They need to know where our joy is fixed right now. And as we worship, something is shared with them. Something just becomes so evident that we're not swayed by what's happening. We're not wandering aimlessly, affected by the seasons and changing sayings but we are fixed steadfastly upon the way and um the thing is as you listen to this you might think um that's like all well and good but um you know we can't like actually sing in church together right like this is really not appropriate timing to be talking about singing and worship because it's not really easy at the moment um but thankfully like the definition of worship that we're given is so much more broad than just standing in a packed room singing loudly, thankfully. Um, and in 1942, William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury said this. He said, worship is a submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of the will to his purpose, and all this gathered up in adoration. Like what an amazing quote. Really simply put, worship is active adoration. Whether that is in head, heart, mind, worship is being active in the way that we adore God, being active in the way that we focus on Him and praise Him and honour Him. And so active adoration 
can look like standing in a room with hundreds of people or singing at the top of your lungs and one day we will do that again. It can look like that, yes, but active adoration can also look like sitting and listening to a song and allowing the words just to move your soul. Active adoration can look like taking one of the Psalms and mining it for the gold that's in it. Active adoration can look like spending five minutes before you start your day and just leaning in and giving it over to God. Active adoration is so achievable right now. (laughs) And so thankfully, worship doesn't need to stop because we can't gather in the building and we can't sing in the building. Active adoration can happen anytime, anywhere, no matter what you are doing. It's so, so simple. It can look like simply remembering how God has been faithful in the past and calling that to mind. And so my challenge for us this week is super simple. How can you practice active adoration this week? Like how can you worship this week? If it really is that powerful, if it really is that effective, not only for us in times of uncertainty, but for our communities in times of uncertainty, then how can we do this this week? Like what can that look like for you this week and it'll be different for all of us but how can you practice active adoration this week what can you do daily to focus on the one who is the way um in a moment we're going to have um holly and leon are going to perform a song which just is this beautiful reminder of who god is and in that moment we can use those words just to reflect on the faithfulness of god um but before we do that i want to give us a moment just to think about this just 30 seconds for us to really think how can i practice worship and active adoration this week what does that look like for me and like really really simply like if you're new to this whole setting and this whole thing of worship really really simply even if every day we make this our prayer Jesus in this moment I declare that you are the way the truth and the life If we just started our day with that this week, how that would change our perspective in that moment. Jesus, I declare that you are the way, the truth and the life. So the team are going to lead us in a song in just a moment, but let's take 30 seconds to think, how can I actively adore Jesus this week?